You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Which coast? Traveling east to west... Aaron Ladd. Oh, he's in the house. No. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. <laughs> yeah. you, you still in Denver? Nah, I'm actually back in KC now, actually. Oh, oh got, okay, okay. Got yesterday, uh, doing some 41 stuff today before a couple more days off. But it's that time of the year, man. It's summertime. Everybody chilling. Everybody outside. I seen you. I seen you outside with your shirt off today, man. Put your nipples away. <laughs> that was actually an old video, but yeah. Wow, <laughs> you're an Instagram model, dog. You be posting old videos? <laughs> yeah, man. I was feeling myself today, man. It must have been the the haircut, the much needed haircut. Finally got him a line up. Yeah, I'm about, I'm about to post myself live now because I couldn't post myself live because i had a bad you know what i'm saying i was looking pretty rough you know so i had to post the old dress you know <laughs> trying to decide what's different between the new cut and the old cut i'm wow. still <laughs> what you do for the fourth oh uh, just spend time with family man you know with the son the girl girlfriend you know her people out here in la yeah, it wasn't really. I wasn't really feeling super patriotic this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just it's just a family gathering at this point. You know what it is. It's like barbecue day. Yeah, you know? it's nothing, <laughs> nothing too too crazy. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, I was out in Denver. I went to a Rockies game and uh, saw uh, Arrow, not Arrowhead, Mahi, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> It was good out there, man. It's this is that time of the year where it's still kind of quiet on the NFL, so got to recoup and recover and uh, treat yourself for real. Yeah, I saw you had a Coors Light at Coors Field, man. You just have to do it like that, huh? Well, you know, I was just uh, went in Rome, as they say. You know, hey, shout out to Patrick Mahomes. He's uh he's sponsored by them, right? He's Mr. Coors. When he was at yeah. the when it was at the match, it was uh it was Coors only. Yeah. <laughs> just what a what a guy, man. Just slamming Coors, knocking in birdies. I mean, what can't the man do, right? <laughs> well, you want to talk about the second half of the AFC title game this bro? Why do you love bringing that up? I'm starting to think you're a Bengals fan at this point. I'm not a Bengals fan. Every chance you get, you bring up that second half. Like, it's, let it go. It was six months ago. Mark, that was go. the last time we saw to play football. Okay, we're not to keep on. How many times are we going to talk about it? We're going to keep saying the same thing over and over again? <laughs> this is why I continue to bring it up. Because it reminds a couple reasons. I think this is a big reason why. I think it reminds you just how 
close the margin of error is in this league, right? Like, obviously, we both thought you can go back and listen to the first episode, Chiefs Coast to Coast. It's on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network on your podcast feed, wherever you get your podcast. But you can go back and listen. We both agreed that the Chiefs were the better team. We both agreed that they were win. And we thought that they were the best team left, not e- not even in not even just in the AFC, but uh, uh, the remaining squads. And you go from there to no longer having a Tyree kill on your squad, and things looking a lot different. Um, you just got to take advantage of those situations where you got them. So of course, I remind you of the AFC West, uh, the AFC title game every chance I get because it, it it could be seen as a pivotal point. Obviously, depending on what happens this year. So, are you saying if the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl this year? Then we're just gonna keep bringing that game up. Like, there's nothing. There's no way we can wash that game away unless they win another Super Bowl. Is that what you're saying? I, I they take a step back this year. Fans will once again point back to that game as a disappointment, which I think all around people have admitted it. We heard Brett Veach say that you know they felt like they beat themselves in that game, and and it's been kind of mum from Andy Reid since then. But I think even Patrick Mahomes said yet still isn't exactly over it. I don't. I think I think Chiefs fans should always think about that because it just reminds you just how close you were. I mean, yeah, but yeah, I see what you're saying. But we can say anything about that Patriots game, even though the expectations weren't the same and quote unquote we weren't the better team. If D Force wasn't offsides, the Chiefs win that game, and they probably beat the Rams in the Super Bowl that year too. So you telling me you don't think about that game much? I really don't actually. Actually, I really don't. Because especially the fact they won the Super Bowl after that, so it kind of washed it away a little bit for me. I mean, obviously you're still like, dang, we could have had another one. But who's to say if you win the Super Bowl that year, you win it the next year? Because maybe your DC is still the same, right? <laughs> and everybody wanted him gone. So if you win the Super Bowl, do you really get rid of him? So and do you still get Tyron Matthew? Like I don't know. It, things could have been different. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's crazy how many what ifs there are in the NFL, like dominoes and, and things start going a certain way. What if Tyreek took this deal? What if this happened? X, what y, if we y. had a what if we had a healthy all line against the Bucks? Yeah, and, and we didn't. <laughs> I think we just didn't even. I'm not gonna say we. I, I, I guess folks didn't really realize how how much of an impact that was gonna play into the game. <laughs> Because it's not like Tampa had the most ferocious D-line that year. But it just, my goodness, man, it manifested at the worst possible time. Yeah, like heading to that game, the dialogues from what I remember, the people still thought the Chiefs were going to win. I don't think people thought the missing O-lineman was going to be that much of an impact. I mean, obviously it's an impact, obviously. But the fact that he ran, what, like 500 yards east to west? Like, who predicted that? And, you know... I think people still kind of had that first game in their mind against the Bucks, where the Chiefs were just on fire that first half. Obviously, missed a couple of linemen, but I think people were still confident into that game despite the injuries on the O line. And obviously, that <laughs> didn't play out well at all. Do you have like a what if entering this season? <clears throat> we're like training camp starts on the twenty second of, of July in St. Joe. We about two weeks and some change away from that. Is there like a is there a what if that you're thinking about headed into training camp at the roster or maybe on the offensive side, defensive side about Kansas City that could probably uh, impact how the season turns out for them? I'm going to go down this rabbit hole again, man, and you're probably going to roll your eyes. But I have a what if 
for Josh Gordon. I'm I mean, I'll let, nah, you know, expand on that because I, I actually am probably kind of swinging your way on, on Josh. Oh, really? I'm shocked to hear that, actually. But, um, I mean, based on everything we're hearing, people are just raving about how, how much in shape he's in. And, you know, obviously now he's another year learning the playbook. Last year he got kind of here in the middle of the season. Today has a full offseason with the playbook. And not to mention, I mean, he's older, but I think people are forgetting he doesn't really have that much wear and tear on his body considering he hasn't played that much football lately. So, yeah, he may be, what, 30 or 31, but is he really that in football years? Because he hasn't really played that much. So, And they need a big body receiver. Obviously, you got MVS and some other guys like Jody Forsen that tied in, obviously. But I think he may have an impact, man. And I don't want to get my hopes up. Because I've done this before with him to be disappointed with low expectations, but I wouldn't be shocked, man, if he has a, a a decent role in the receiving room this year. I think that's a good one. I think a, a reason why that's also a good one because there really is a double edged sword to that. Like I can see a world in which Josh Gordon breaks camp with the team and, and comes out and makes a big impact just because there's opportunity there with the new look room. And I could also see a world where he, he doesn't make the team or is a practice squad guy again or, or it doesn't work out. I think that's a, a, a good example of kind of this this what if thing. And honestly, the wide room, as a whole, they got a lot of question marks in general. As far as my what if going into this year, I guess I'll stick with the offensive side of the ball. And this is kind of a question mark I think a lot of people have had. What if Clyde Edwards-Alaire plays a full 18-game season? What if he's a guy – um, that you can count on for for three downs on the offensive side of the ball. If he mixes in with that uh, Neapolitan backfield, I guess, if you will, uh, with Ronald Jones and Jarek McKinnon back in the fold. What if we get a healthy game? What if we get a healthy season from Clyde and he's out there all 18 plus the playoffs? Uh, I, I know this is a big year for him and, and some question marks around him after missing all that time last year due to injury. Mark, what if he's there and, and, and could contribute? You think that makes a difference for KC? First of all, I'm not going to just ignore one term you just used without giving you some credit. Neapolitan. I love that. That's that's that Mizzou education right there, man. <laughs> I'm going to add that to my to my dictionary, man. I like that a lot. Neapolitan. I'm glad I could ah, teach you something on this podcast. You're, you're so you're, you're so <laughs> bright, man. What a what a bright what a bright young fellow, man. Anyway, uh, back to CEH. I mean, wow, that would be a hell of a what if, right? Because we haven't seen him play a full season yet. And not to mention, it looks like the Chiefs don't fully believe he can. I mean, the fact that you brought in Ron Jones, you brought back Jared McKinnon, which really surprised me. I thought, I didn't think that was going to happen after the Rojo thing. And then obviously you drafted a, a running back in the seventh round. And you still got Derek Gore kind of hanging in the wings, right? So it's a very, very deep room. They're probably going to carry, I was probably four running backs on the on the roster, or three, maybe four, depending on how many receivers they keep. But yeah, I ain't allowed. I'll be surprised if that's the case because I do expect by midseason to late in the season that Rojo will end up being the guy, the number one guy at running back, heading to the playoffs. I don't know if KC will ever have a, a number one guy. It just seems like they're so comfortable with shuffling in different 
guys with different formations and with certain drives, they kind of just ride the hot hand. I have a hard time believing, you know, even if Rojo does kind of emerge ahead of CEH, which I think some people are kind of speculating without even seeing a snap of training camp, which is crazy, but whatever. Uh, even if he does kind of pull ahead, I still feel like there's always going to be another role for the other guy, whether it's CEH, whether it's Jet Jones, whether it's Isaiah Pacheco, who's somebody else I've talked about on this podcast about liking and thinking could make an impact on this team. I just don't know if they go be one true RB1 the whole way through. And, and and part of that is just nature of the league, right? Like, it's hard to stay healthy for 18 games. That's why it's such a big what if. Because, man, if you do, if you do RB1 on a, on a team that's playing 18-game regular season and then deep into the playoffs, like, you're going to get nicked up. You're going to get knocked up. I think that's maybe something that makes them a little bit more flexible than other teams. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in today's NFL, there's not a true – Workhorse besides a couple of guys, right? Like a Derrick Henry, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, right? But like besides those guys, you're not going to see running backs getting 25 plus carries a game. That's just not a game that's played anymore. Not to mention, it's more of a passing league anyway. So teams aren't even running as much as they used to when we grew up watching football, right? So that's part of it. And like you said, I don't even believe that any of these running backs separate themselves that much to say it's a true number one. When I say number one, I'm just saying in terms of the most touches. So I think by the midway point to the late in the season, I think Rojo will start getting more touches than CEH, which actually may be a good thing because if CEH starts off, you know, pretty hot, but then, you know, he has injury history. So you kind of want to keep him fresh as you can for playoff time, right? And then if you got Rojo kind of sitting in the wings the first half of the season, then it's like his turn to take over the second half of the year. Now you got kind of like a nice little balance, right, of both guys not really taking that many hits for the entire season. And then you still got Jared McKinnon, who really popped in the playoffs late in the year last year. He was the one guy that had that extra burst because we know CEH doesn't really have that getaway speed like that. And what McKinnon really showed, especially late in the year, so I think bringing him back as well, I believe that he's going to have a fixture in the offense too. And he's also a really, really good pass catching back. And I think we're going to see CEH do more of that this year because that's what we expected when we drafted him, right? They were talking about his ability to catch the ball at the backfield. And we haven't really seen that quite yet. So I think now without Tyreek Hill, I think Andy Reid's going to have to be more creative with the offense. And that would mean using the running backs in the passing game more man we got to talk about this anti-ceh vendetta that that the kingdom seems to have and i, I wrote about this recently on arrowheadpride.com you can check out that i wrote about three players chiefs fans will hate on on their own team and, and on their opposing teams as far as the schedule is concerned next year and ceh was on that list i understand where he was drafted i understand the injury concerns but, man, he even kind of spoke about it. I was trying to find the quote, but it, I couldn't dig it up. He was coming back from injury. I think it was a Raiders game, but you might have to hold me to that. And maybe he knows which game it was. Well, CH was like, yo, I know a lot of the kingdom wanted to burn me alive, but I'm keeping my head down and just staying focused. This was after a bounce back game he had last year. It just seems like he gets a little bit too much hate and i'm wondering as the king of hate the sultan of hate yourself the biggest hater in the in the space why do you think that is i love how you throw like these little 
jabs at me and then your question right after it. So like I don't have to I don't have to stress what you just said. I have to just answer your answer your question. Like I'm not gonna let that slide. <laughs> but I like how you do that though. You know, that good TV skills you got right there, man. You're a great guy for that. But anyway, when you say hate, can you really elaborate on what you mean by hate? Because that's such a strong word. And I don't think Chiefs fans hate CEH. I think the expectations from him being a first-round pick, and I think they're disappointed in what they've gotten so far. But I wouldn't go as far as to say hate. I think it's more of high expectations, and he hasn't lived up to it yet, so we're more disappointed. I think that's the better word to use, is disappointed. Disappointment, I would almost probably use disdain if I'm, if we use an SAT words this podcast. It just seems like, you know... He has to have eight good games for every one disappointing game. And we have to remember that this guy has had some injury concerns. I know I know that's tough. I know it's tough to hear. It's tough to stomach. You want guys to be out there every week. Uh, he just got hurt last year. I remember talking to Jack Collinsworth of NBC Sports about this last year. I asked him, yo, is CH in a sophomore slump? Was this a bad pick or, or what's the deal? And really it's more of an incomplete grade in, in his opinion. And I, I would kind of concur with that. But it just feels like. Let's 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 wait and see. I would almost rather take the the wait and see approach, but I won't say hate. We'll say there. I feel like there's been a disdain. So how longer do we have to wait? I mean, would you say this is a make or break year for him? Absolutely, and and that's probably why he was my what if to start to start this segment off. I think this this especially can go can go one of two ways. They brought in guys as you alluded to that can carry the load, so. If this is another year where he's sidelined for eight eight games or more, I mean, hell, eight games is a lot of games. I get that. Uh, if that's another situation where that happens again, then we cut we revisit that on, on another podcast. But yeah, I, I say make or break. I say make or break year for Ceh. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's a make or break year for your boy Mo Harmon as well, for obvious reasons. I mean, he's entered the last year of his contract. Now Tyreek Hill is gone. So he's kind of filling in that role as like the speedy guy, right? The shifty guy that you can kind of throw everywhere. The jet sweeps, the deep post routes, the reverses, all the fun stuff, right? That's McCole now. So, and I do think he's going to ball out this year. I know I'm shifting here, but I just thought he was a guy that we should mention as well, talking about what ifs, because if you look at the Chiefs roster in the receiving room, going back to that, there's only two guys under contract after this season. And that's going to be what NVS and what Sky Moore. That's everybody else is on the books this year, including McCole Hardman. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, build the receiving room next year. Are they going to bring these guys back? Are you going to bring a Juju back? Bring McCole Hardman back? Or are you going to kind of do what you did this year and retool it once again? I'm convinced you read my article. Uh, I mean, what great show prep you did. You talk about me being a TV professional. It's all you on, on reading that story about the three most hated Chiefs players interesting in 2022. We'll change to disdained after this after this pod. I had CEH on there, and then you transitioned into McCole Hart. But, yeah, I think it's a big year for him as well. The elder statesman in the wide receiver room, if, if you will, it's – 
it's going to be interesting. That's another, and I, and I want to pose this as I pass it back to you on, on this McCall Hardman, and we're kind of doing this what if game. Uh, what if McCall Hardman does ball out, Mark? Are you comfortable offering him uh, a long term contract here in the kingdom based on maybe what will be his best year in a contract situation? And then maybe some uh, disappointing years and previously. If, if I'm offering you, what if McCall Harbin has over uh, or, or close to a thousand yards season? What if? What What do you do? It just depends on the price. I mean, it really does, and it's gonna be tough because obviously the receiving market now, the wide receiver has skyrocketed this past offseason. I've got guys like Christian Kirk getting pretty good contracts, right? And I don't think McCall Hartman is too far off from him in terms of production, especially this year with no Tyreek Hill. I expect him to be in that same range, if not even more. But um, it just depends on the price, man. But I will say this, though. With the TV deals coming into effect and the salary cap continuing to rise, I wouldn't be opposed to it unless, you know, He's not going to break the bank, but if it's reasonable and it makes both parties happy, I would love to bring McCall Harmon back. He knows the offense. Like you said, he's the elder statesman of the receiving room, which is funny to say because he's like 24, 25 years old, but he is that guy right now. What was that? Yeah, like he's his fourth year with KC this year. Yeah, so he's he's mid-20s, so... But the familiarity with the offense, his speed, and if he shows progression as a route runner, which I think he was going to have more opportunities to this year because he's going to have more opportunities to run the full route tree without a Tyreek Hill. So if he shows that improvement and continues to be an explosive guy and great teammate, I would love to bring him back. I would love to bring him back, but the price just has to be right, though. We're talking a lot of offense. I want to wrap offense with this question that I just threw in here from, from PFF Fantasy Football. And then we'll talk quick defense before getting out of here. Doing these quick episodes in the offseason. Every other week in the offseason, we're on Twitter spaces, Tuesdays at 7. And then in your podcast feed after that. And then we'll be back to our once-a-week recording scheduled during the season. Mark, man, it's right around the corner. I feel like vacation flew by. Uh, but here we are. Will Will MVS have a thousand yard receiving season? I'll let you take that first, and then I'll, I'll finish it up. <sighs> so when you do this, man, you have to break down how many yards will Mo throw. So let's say he plays ten games. I think it's a good chance he might thousand yards this year. Last year was around what forty seven. So let's say he's at five thousand. Kelsey's gonna get what? 13 to 14, maybe 15 of that. <laughs> so that's on. You got Judah's going to get over a thousand. So that's about 2,500. Hartman, I think he's going to get probably, probably a thousand, man. He might. So you're already wow. like 35. He might get a thousand, bro, considering the big plays and the usage. He really, So you're looking at, you're around 35 already. So it's tough, man. I think you got to decide between. McColl and MVS because we know Kelsey's going to get 13 to 14, maybe 15. And I, I think it's safe to say that Judah's going to get over a thousand. I think that, that safety net, right? Like that possession guy on third and five, he's going to be always involved. So I think Judah's going to get over a thousand, Kelsey well over a thousand, 
and now it's between NVS or Hardman. I don't think both of them will, but if I had to lean towards one, I'll probably say Hardman just because of the familiarity. Even though I've seen reports and we all have seen it that Mahomes and NVS are building a relationship and a good uh, rapport together, but I still believe he'll be like in that seven to eight hundred range. And then, you know, the skies, you know, little three or four, 500 here, Jody Fortson, you know, guys like that. But the main chunk will come from Kelsey, Juju, and Hardman, and the NVS after that. Uh, I'm glad that we got this one out because this is a point where I think we disagree. I'm going to agree with you on the top two as far as the big chunks. Obviously, Kelsey's going to be the number one pass catcher. And really, when we talk about the Chiefs' new look wide receiver room, we got to include him in the conversation. I know he's got a wide out, out, but it's just so much of the offense and it's so much of a uh, 15th comfortability with him that's going to produce a lot of that passing yards. I think Juju kind of in that same mold will work in the slot he'll be that intermediate guy he's gonna eat a lot of those yards around the middle of the field he <laughs> i hope he's practicing taking some hits from those middle linebackers because i feel like that's where he's gonna be eating a lot of his yards at and then number three i'm going mvs and the big reason i probably would lean him over hardman or sky Moore or josh gordon as we uh, mentioned earlier is Kind of these reports that we've been seeing earlier out of camp. He stretches the field. He's got a good comfortability with 15 early. Uh, he, to me, is the is the most round peg in a round hole for replacing Tyree Kill's production. I know it's not an exact match. I know nobody's going to be able to replicate the speed that, that, that Cheetah brought to this offense and the threat that he sends into the opposing defensive coordinator's heart anytime he steps onto the field. But I think MBS is that guy – uh, that can go deep, stretch the field, and, and be able to pull things down. Now, there was a lot of drop concerns coming out of Green Bay. We're never going to know until we know, and, and, and really it's going to be a few months away. I know training camp is still creeping up, but I, I, I'll say no, he doesn't have a 1,000-yard season, but uh, 750, 800, definitely in the realm of possibility. I did a quick Google. Only seven games started last year, 11 played, and 430 total. That was from Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for MVS. Hmm. Passing yards. So, I'm, what y'all think. I'm I'm surprised you went that way. So how many yards do you see McCole getting? Because last year he basically has 700. He has 693, and that's with Eric Hill. You know that's where things get tricky, and I think receiving yards is another thing that makes this kind of a tricky question because I would love to see McCole get. Uh, 200, 220 in, you know, kind of the jet sweep motion or, or have him involved in a lot of that. Uh, I don't have McCole scratching over a thousand yards. I think Kelsey has the big chunk, Juju the second closest, and then it's a lot of uh, 400s, 200, 300 type thing from, from the rest of the guys. Well, I really think we're going to have three a thousand yard guys. I really do. Like you said, the, the first two guys I think are locks, Kelsey and Juju. But I really do believe McCole or MVS will be that third guy. Like I, I'm, I'm willing to – I'm not going to say bet the house, but I, I, I feel pretty comfortable that it's going to be three guys over 1,000 yards. How many houses do you have to bet at this point, Mark? Like, I mean, I feel like at this point it's, it's getting slim over there in L.A. It's funny because you only mentioned my losses – but I've actually have a lot more wins than L's. So, but you know, people just remember 
more. It's just the way society is. You know, it's like you said, I guess I guess the word use is right. It's a lot of hate. Just a lot of hate, man. They always bring up your L's, man. Never bring up your wins. It's crazy. I'm your biggest hater. You should always know that here on Yeah, TV. I know, man. Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Appreciate y'all rocking with us. We're doing these off-season pods real quick. If you got a question, we'll try and throw you in uh, before we get out of here. But I want to talk a little bit of defense because we have been offense heavy. We've been kind of talking about what ifs, if you will, uh, kind of things that could determine how the Chiefs season goes one way or another. If you want to dig back in the crates of our past episodes, we gave our record predictions last week on what we think KC is going to do this upcoming season. A bunch of preview stuff ahead of July 22nd, the report day for training camp. I'm going to start with my defensive what if, Mark, and I don't think it's a risky one. I think it's probably one that Kansas City is banking on, and it's what if we get double-digit sacks from George Karloftis. He is... The event at Purdue that they really need him to pay off, especially if they enter the regular season with uh, the defensive line that I currently see on paper. Not good enough. But if we get double digit sacks from George Karloftis, I'm willing to I'm willing to I'm willing to to say that the season goes a, a very positive way, Mark. I, I'm saying Karloftis gets 10 sacks and KC wins 10 games if that happens. Yeah, I would be shocked if he got double-digit sacks, to be quite frank with you. He didn't do that last year in college. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions about his bend, right? But he is a guy with a high motor, and there's nothing that's nothing we cannot deny, right? And that, that, that matters, right? Because we see a lot of times where guys take a lot of plays off, right? And you can kind of tell. And he seems like a guy, especially in rookie years, going to have a lot to prove. He's a first-round pick. So he's going to be really, really excited to get going. And the Chiefs, like you said, they're putting a lot of stock in him because they haven't made any other moves on the edge, right? I mean, they, Milver Ingram walked out the door. He went to Miami. So, And you still got Frank Clark. You know, you're really going to depend on him to be that guy at this point in his career. So there's definitely a lot riding on him for a first-round pick in his rookie year. But... Double-digit sacks, I don't see that happening. I think he'll be more in the 6 to 8 range, which I'm still be satisfied with. I think that'll be still good enough. As long as he can still get pressure, set the edge, be good against the run, just be solid and not be a negative, I'll be happy for year one. I realize that was a little bit of a higher number. It's definitely more of a, a, of a what-if type scenario. I just uh, I wonder if Casey... Uh, has put a few too many eggs in one basket by just uh, rolling with him and, and seeing what happens. There's got to be another move. I know I'm gonna have egg on my face when Brett Beach makes a move tomorrow. Is there like a is, is there a I guess low hanging fruit D end move that you would like to see them made? I know there's a lot of Indomitian Sioux, uh smoke around. Is there anything you would like to see them make a move as far as the defensive line is concerned? Robert Quinn. I would love to have Robert from Chicago Bears. He had 18 and a half sacks last year, I believe. He's a little older, but he still produced at a high level. Obviously, the Chiefs have a lot of relationship ties with the Chicago Bears, so that also helps. Now, his cap hit is pretty hefty, so you'll have to eat that. But, I mean, I, I think if you can get him for the next couple years, he would be under 
contract. I, I think that would be a hell of a move. I'm not sure how high how high of a pick you have to give up to get him. But, but you know, there's a little rum go that he may not be the happiest there. And obviously they're not winning anything anytime soon. And like I said, he's north of 30, right? So it could be a possibility, maybe point before the trade deadline in season. But that's something I'll look out for considering the relationships the Chiefs have with the Bears front office. Obviously, our guy went there and, you know, Aggie came from there. There's a lot of Chicago, Kansas City ties, and that matters when you're doing negotiations. So something to keep an eye out on. I got a couple quick hitters before we get out of here. We do take questions. We're on Twitter Spaces. If y'all want to hop up on the stage with us, throw that hand up so we can get y'all in here before we get out of here. My first one is a quick one, and it's related to Orlando Brown. He still is in that contract negotiation window. Didn't report to the uh, the voluntary workouts or anything so far. I'm curious if you think his deal gets done before or after the second preseason game. I'm still going to say before, and that's just me going off of pure faith at this point. <laughs> I really don't have... That's uh, all you can go off of, bro, because there's not been a lot of news as far yeah, as... Like, yeah, like, I, I don't have any sources to back me up, to back up my confidence there. But, you know, based on just what I've seen in the interview and stuff as of late, it, it just seems the motivation is there on both sides. I mean, obviously, Mahomes spoke to the media a few weeks ago talking about it, how they were hanging out, weren't even talking football, but he mentioned that he knows that he wants to be here. And we all know that Orlando Brown is motivated to play left tackle for his dad who played left tackle. So something that's really, really uh, close to his heart. And that's why he wanted to leave Baltimore. So I, I ultimately believe they will get a deal done before the second preseason game. It's just all about the numbers at this point, man. And at this point, I think you have to maybe bend a little bit if you're the Chiefs. It may not be the exact number you like. Maybe you have to go a little bit over, but that position is so valuable to the point where I would be willing to do that. Because left tackle, I mean, to argue, that's the second most important position in all of football behind quarterback because you're protecting the quarterback's blind side. And he's still young. So I, I think it gets done. I'm looking at 12 games started at the linebacker position for former Missouri standout Nick Bolton. I'm wondering if he goes over 12 and a half or, or under 12 and a half this year, in your opinion. Oh, slam the over. Bet the house on the over. And I'm glad you mentioned him because I was going to mention another one. I think this is an actual real possibility. What if Nick Bolton and Willie Gay become the best linebacker duo in all of football. You can't just, you you just love hyperbole. You can't just say, oh, they'll be top 10 or, you know, they'll be best in a division. You you immediately jump to the top. Why I mean, that? I mean, according to PFF, if you uh, trust them or not, they did their rankings for the linebacking quarters in all of football and the Chiefs ranked number nine already. And that's without really proving themselves like that because Nick Bolton obviously had a great year last year, but them ranking the Chiefs in the top 10 already as a linebacking core just tells me that they are high, and I am too, on the potential of Willie Gay. Because I think Willie Gay has a higher ceiling than Nick Bolton. 
He's more athletic. He's a side to side, sideline to sideline linebacker. And not to mention, the guy is in position to get a lot of interceptions, but he just keeps dropping them for some reason. I think he dropped like three or four picks last year. If he can get that together, he can be a really, really special playmaker, man. I was high when they drafted him because I saw some stuff at he was at Mississippi State in the SEC, obviously, which you're familiar with, Mr. Mizzou guy. And he would have went higher. Obviously, some stuff went on, but the talent is there, man. And I think if he could put it all together and stay healthy, that's the main thing with him. He hasn't really stayed on the field for a consistent amount of time to really flash his full potential. But I don't think it's crazy to say. I really don't. I mean, Nick Bolton was the best rookie linebacker last year. He's going to continue. You buy in the potential of a Willie Gay. Why can't that be the best linebacker duo in all of football? I don't hyperbole at all. I guess my final what if is if uh, what if Mark Gunnels has some swag? You know, <laughs> what would happen then? You know, <laughs> hey man, I was born with swag, man. You know. <laughs> You know, I, I inspired you because I saw you out in Denver with your shirt, your shirt unbuttoned with your chest out. You know, I, I invented that style. You took my talking about. So the irony of that is just crazy. It couldn't have been that hot in Denver. I know it's summertime, but it's still Denver. It was warm, dog. It, it, it was hot. <laughs> OK, OK. But you got that hey. for me, nonetheless. <laughs> I'm gonna just let you. Whatever helps you sleep at night, my boy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't see any questions, so I guess it's uh, in two weeks. Next time we have a pod, we will be on. We want to be on the precipice of football season. We'll be two days away from report. I'll be live in St. Joe, man. I might have to. Down there in the cut, me, uh, Arrowhead Pride editor in chief Pete Sweeney, who I know is listening to this. Uh, it'll be some good content. Like I said, somebody here has to cover the team since you a kid from LA. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you and Pete are gonna have a, a dorm room together. We're gonna bunker up. Well, yeah, we got our play and everything. We we, we, we got to get ready for for the season, man. Oh man, I hope you guys can learn it fast enough, man. Hey, appreciate y'all rocking with us. Cheese Coast to Coast is out of here. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.